Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm Sam Brooks and I'm joined by Raphael Jukobin and Tom Serra. Uh, just going to review another week of Italian football, of course, and no better place to start than the Turin Derby, which took place this weekend. Uh, Torino led for most of the match, but in the end, Juve got two late goals to win 2-1. Raphael, what were your thoughts on the game? Do you feel Juve were deserving winners in the end? I mean, I wouldn't say deserving because the first half was atrocious, really, in terms of the overall play. I think, I mean, they only got through in the end because um, because of Pirlo substitutions, which were, to his credit, were very good. Um, I mean, when he came on, he sort of injected a bit of urgency into their play, and it's is no surprise he scored their first goal. Um, I think in general, it just wasn't a very good performance from Juve. I think a draw would have would have probably been a better reflection of the of the match. Um, I think if you look across the, if you look across the park, I think realistically the only department that's doing well, um, performing well right now at UA is um, this is defence. I think otherwise Torino would have gone in gone in at half time further ahead. Um, the attack doesn't really seem to be showing up. I mean. We talked about Ronaldo being crucial for for them, but I think now that he's back, you can tell that he doesn't really work as well without Morata by his side. I think Morata is uh, sort of the facilitator for him in attack. He sort of allows him to play at his best, which uh, which doesn't really happen with the other players in the, in that attack. I mean, you look at Kulusevski, for example. He's 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 completely dropped off since the start of the season. Um, I mean, which is it's understandable because he's a young player. You can't really expect, you know, 10 out of 10 performances from him every time. But at the same time, you know, it is quite worrying that he's, he's, he's quite, quite a long way off his best right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think there, there was a lot to, there, there is a lot to criticise about Juventus in that, in that match. And I'm not really sure yeah, you know, I th- I think Pirlo still has a lot to sort out before um before we can say that he's really you know got a hold of this Juventus side. We've seen over the last few years that quite often Juve aren't really at their best, but they tend to just about do enough to get the job done. Tom, do you see this weekend as another example of that, or like Raphael, do you see more serious concerns perhaps with, as he says, the midfield and attack not really clicking? Perhaps a, a few players, their position hasn't really been determined yet. You know, where where should Kulusevski be played to get the best out of him? Um, what what are your thoughts on how Juve are developing under PLO? It's interesting that Rafael mentioned that Juventus are struggling up front. I personally thought as well in that game, it was kind of interesting that Juventus were also, I felt, struggling at the back, which they haven't really done in the past. And I think that's linked to the midfield as well. Because in the first half of the game, you know, Turner could have buried the game really easily. They could have scored at least three in the first half. But I just think that, and this is not just this game, but I feel like Juventus are struggling with through balls. So, and I think that's linked to the, the instability in midfield because teams are just able to play through balls through the midfield. And we saw it as well when Zaza had the opportunity one-on-one with Chesney that the ball just went through 
Benucci and Danilo. And I've seen it like with other weaker sides that Juventus have played. So when they played, I think, in the Champions League, France Rice as well, the first 10 minutes, France Rice had like three through balls and then just the opposition were, you know, in front of the goal, just like that. So I think I'm not convinced with like Bentecourt necessarily. I think they need someone, well, Bentecourt as well is good, but someone alongside him who's more... I feel more defensive minded as well. We could sort of act that kind of stop in front of the defenders and prevent these opportunities, you know, these weaker sides creating these opportunities. Because at the moment, they just, I don't know, I just felt that Bonucci and Danilo looked a bit shaky at times. So I think it's not just the attack and the midfield, it's, it's the defence as well. Meanwhile, for Torino, we saw um, once again they threw away a lead. Uh, they've already done that against Atalanta, Lazio into this season. So it's becoming a worrying trend for them. Why do you think this is happening? And how much longer do you reckon they will stick with Marco Giampaolo? Do you think they can turn it round or is it inevitable that he will be sacked? Well, the thing is, you can't... You can't because... The performances compared to last year have you know, clearly improved. Um, maybe still a bit too Belotti dependent, but I think that's that's a pretty normal thing when um, when when you've got a player who's just head and shoulders above the rest of the squad. But I think I think it's just a set of circumstances that have gone against them, and I think they have been quite unlucky this year. Um, you know, I don't think their the results that they've been getting reflect what we're seeing on the pitch necessarily but yeah at one point you know at one point something is going to have to give I think if performances don't improve then Giampaolo will have to probably have to leave um, it would be a shame because yeah he's, it would be the second club that he's that he's failed to sort of replicate his uh, his past his past experience at but I mean yeah hopefully hopefully there is a, a turning point at one stage for uh, for Torino this season, just at some point a bit of luck going their way because, you know, I, I, I am rooting for Giampaolo to sort of turn things around. Yeah, it does seem that, you know, with a few extra things going their way, they could quite easily have had, you know, another half a dozen points on the board and we're talking about a mid-table club who are doing okay. So, um Let's see how that pans out. But yeah, Torino, once again, underperforming this season um, in terms of points. Um, from Juventus, who obviously have won nine leagues on the trot to a team who are in pole position right now, and that's Milan. They picked up a 2-1 win over Sampdoria. Uh, they won without Ibrahimovic, uh, Benasser and Kier, who were all out this weekend. Given that these players were missing out, Tom, was this one of their more impressive wins of the season for you? Absolutely. I mean, we just look at the team, the, the performance of the team. I think even though the result was better on paper against Sampdoria, I think they played much better against Fiorentina. They showed much more creativity on the pitch. I mean, if we just look at the Castillejo's goal, it was just a great combination on the wing uh, with how contributing as well. So I think... Okay, if they had Zatan, they this still would have won. They probably would have won with a higher scoreline. But it was a very comfortable win, I felt. And I felt they were able to effectively reduce Sampdoria to just putting crosses into the box. And that's because Kessie and Tonali have formed that, such a strong like relationship in the midfield. And Milan just, overpower, just overpowered Sampdoria in the middle of the pitch. 
so they were effectively able to neutralize the opposition. And I think that's why that's why I think it was so impressive this performance is because as a team they were able to step up and create chances. Yeah, I think that's been one of Milan's strongest points this season has been the midfield pivot. Of course, Kessier and Benasser has been the first choice partnership with, with Tonali coming in. That's that's a very strong area for them. Another player who stood out over the past week, and, and you mentioned him briefly, Tom, is Jens Peter Hauger. He, he came off the bench this week. Um, well, he scored, he scored twice in the Europa League. Sorry, once in the Europa League and got a very good assist. Um, and then was involved in the second goal on the weekend. How impressed have you been with him, Raphael? And do you think he'll be pushing for a league start soon, having featured heavily in the Europa League so far? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he took up a place in the starting eleven soon enough. I think he's for considering the price that he came in for five million. I think is he's been a brilliant signing. For, uh, for Milan I think to be honest I think he was the only real bright spot in the attack uh, against um, against Sampdoria I think I think overall I'm, I'm going to take like, the opposite view here and say that it, it was impressive in terms of the result but not so much the performance mm-hmm. you know they were quite misfiring in attack Rebic was awful for, for most of the game apart from his assist um you know, against the better side, that that kind of performance just wouldn't have wouldn't have gone down. I think, realistically, looking at the um, looking at the players who came in to replace the uh, you know the absences, I w- I'd say only Gabia did um did, did a good job of replacing uh replacing Simon Kier. I think, you know, Tonali's still you know still quite still struggling. I don't think he's going to be able to replicate the impact that Benasser has. Rebic, it just is it's just nowhere near the um the, the presence of Ibrahimovic. And um yeah, no, I I, th- I think I think Sampdoria d- well deserved um they, they would have they would have deserved a draw and I think they did push Milan right till the end. Um, you know, the likes of Thorsby and Ekdal have been uh, made a made a good impact. And yeah, I think to be honest, I think this is probably their um uh, it might be their undoing when it comes if it, if it does come to a title race because I don't think there's that much depth in the in terms of the in terms of talent. I think you know the. I mean, obviously, as the season goes on, you might see Tonali, you know, take on a bigger role and uh, sort of settle in better, for example, or Halga, you know, taking up a spot in the attack and challenging for challenging in those positions because, yeah, I, I think. The only consistent players across the last few weeks have been probably Kessier and um, and Donnarumma. I think there are uh, there are there are weak spots that are starting to sh- that are starting to show in that in that Milan side. I think the the result the results should paper over the cracks of what wasn't really that good of performance. Yeah, but it, but as you said, they, they remain unbeaten through their first ten games. Uh, I think there were concerns that Kier would be a big loss, but that didn't turn out to be the case. And uh, Ibrahimovic is set to return next weekend, according to most reports. So, so definitely um, cause for optimism for Milan, despite perhaps a below par performance on Sunday. Uh, then moving on to Inter, for the third time in a week, they scored three goals, pretty comfortable three. One win over Bologna. Um, 
Tom, do you think they're starting to click into gear or do you still have some reservations about Conte's team who, you know, started the season pretty poorly by all accounts? Yeah, I think it's definitely been an improved performance and I think they are starting to produce these routine victories that title contenders should be producing. I mean, if you look back past month, I think they even drew, I think they drew against Palmer and Atalanta who are not really in form like like month before and I feel... If they if they would have played this game a month prior, then they may may would have had like issues or you know been able to get the results. And I think just the game against Munchen and back midweek, I think that has also given them a bit of a confidence boost. And last week, I also I remember I mentioned I really enjoyed watching Martinez and Sanchez playing together. But this week it was just great watching Lukaku and Sanchez playing as well. So I feel at the moment in to have three players up front that are competing for two spots, which I think is very healthy in a side that's trying to, you know, win the title. And I also watched, yeah, enjoyed watching Hakimi pushing up. Uh, he really has gained that kind of confidence to, you know, take on players and attack on the goal, which could be an extra threat, which could be crucial against other oppositions that they're facing. Yeah, certainly the attack is Inter's main strength at the moment. Um you say three attackers, obviously Lukaku is pretty much irreplaceable in that side, but certainly Lautaro and Alexis are pushing each other on. Uh, I was going to ask uh, you as well, Raphael, yes, uh, we saw Hakimi got two goals. Uh, also, Matteo Darmian's been quite impressive the last couple of games he's played. Uh, but with Hakimi, do you think, uh, Hakimi, do you think he's starting to, uh, you know, get used to Conte's methods and start to show the form that we saw him uh, have at Dortmund last season. Definitely. I think it's a good example of some good man management from Conte, sort of managing that healthy competition on the uh, on the right. I think Hakimi responded well to being uh, to being benched by by, um, by Damian. And he's you know he's responded well and he scored he scored two goals obviously. So I think that can only do him good. It can only um can only help him you know get back to his best and sort of adapt as much as possible to this uh, to this new league which you know is in contrast to the way um to another example of contact man management with uh, with Ericsson which uh, I have to say is a bit um well, it's a it's a bit baffling really the fact that he's that Ericsson does come on for 90 seconds at the end of every game um I mean I mean this week um there were there was you know there was an image doing the rounds on uh, on social media as well because people just genuinely feel sorry for Eric's in these days. Um, it's a transfer which clearly hasn't worked out well at all for the rival side, and um, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a sorry affair, which I thought blighted a bit the um, what was otherwise a good performance. I think you know it's it is it is a bit concerning for Inter that there is that sort of. Um, unrest within the squad when clearly they are getting back to their best and things seem to be clicking into place so i mean we'll see obviously if um if they qualify in the champions league that will be a massive boost as well but i think things uh things seem to be going on the up for conte but there is that one there is the ericsson situation which you know for me it's a bit of a blot on his copybook, and I can't really understand what he's, you know, what he's trying to do there. To be honest, 
it does seem to be becoming a bit humiliating for Ericsson at the moment. Um, do you think it's inevitable that he leaves next month or is there any way that he can get back into the side and start to show his worth? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, it's, I think it's beyond repair at this point. Uh, you saw the, um, like the inter-CEO was saying that, um, you know, that Ericsson's just, just a functional player and that's it. Like, you know, he's, he's going to leave in January, but it's pretty much sealed. I, I, yeah, I would be surprised because I think what, once, once a player has gone through that sort of treatment, there's no way back. And, you know, the, even, I, he'll probably start tomorrow because obviously Burrell is injured. But I mean, yeah, it's 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 really it's it, it, the situation has got a bit ugly, and I I'm I mean for Ericsson's sake, you really should get out of there as soon as possible. Yeah, that does seem to be uh, what's going to happen as things stand. Uh, moving on to Napoli, um, and I think there were a few concerns uh, a few weeks back when they lost to Sassuolo and Milan at home either side of the international break, but they won 4-0 again on the weekend, following up their 4-0 victory last week against Roma. We're starting to see a more clinical side to them. Do you, do you think they can now maintain this form, Tom, or do you still expect us to see those, you know, sort of stupid uh, slip-ups that we've seen earlier in the season? I mean, you could call them slip-ups. They're not that far behind. I think the South Solo game was a bit of a slip-up. Against Milan, it was... They were a bit unlucky in the sense that they had to face Zlatan. They were actually played okay in that game, but it was just like the situation of you know Milan being in such good form that made it difficult. But yeah, I mean, I think they've been playing really well, and I've really enjoyed, particularly watching Zielinski pushing up higher up on the pitch. You know, taking command of that midfield, just like he did against Roma, and adding that kind of attacking threat as well, distributing it wide and forward as well. So yeah, I think Zielinski has been key in that. Another interesting, it was really interesting to see as well, Patania start. I think it was the right decision to give, you know, other players like Mertens a rest. And you can really tell, tell with Patania that he's really trying to break into the first team, which will be difficult, but he's still got a goal, so that will hopefully give him a boost and maybe put pressure on the other strikers to keep performing. Because I think in the past, we've, we've also discussed that how Napoli lacked that kind of depth that they've got their front three all settled, but otherwise they don't really have anyone else to bring on. But I've, that's been an issue last season. But I think this season with Patania, Osimhen, Mertens, they're all being up there, playing, being available and performing. I think it's definitely, well, it makes it less likely that they'll slip up like they did in previous seasons. Yeah, I mean, when I was talking about slip-ups, I also, of course, meant Europa League, um, where, where they've had a couple of... Um, Slightly disappointing results in the league, as you say. They have been pretty good throughout the season and are only half a dozen points off the top at the moment. Uh, a couple of other teams who've done very well but had heavy defeats last week were Roma and Sassuolo. They played each other this weekend. It was nil-nil despite Roma going down to 10 men just before half-time. I think many felt Roma were perhaps slightly the better team in that game as well. What, what did you think of it, Raphael? How, how did you feel both sides responded to their, uh, you know, heavy defeats last week? I think Roma definitely responded better. Um, I think generally this was one of those games where things, you know, went against them. Um, obviously, you had that 
you had Pedro being sent off. I think Fonseca was was sent off as well, and um, they had a, a harsh-ish uh, VAR call against them. So I think yeah, the 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 result doesn't necessarily reflect the the balance of play, even though they were for more than a half. They were they were down to ten men. So I think they've clearly responded in terms of the performance better than Sassuolo. Um, I think if I, if you know if I had to pick out one thing, one thing that sort of that they the sort of was a bit of a letdown was Petro. I would have expected a bit more from him in terms of maturity in the way that he in the way that he did pick up that second yellow. But on the whole, yeah, I think Roma did a very good job when he came when they came to um when they were down to ten men. Um they looked the side more likely to score. Sasswallow had a few decent breaks but nothing nothing really forthcoming in that sense. So I think over the long term I think this I think that game just shows that Roma probably have more in their tank when it comes to uh, challenging for a, for a top four place. Yeah, I think a lot of people were interested to see how both sides would bounce back. And as you say, it does seem Roma uh, did do slightly better on this occasion. But yeah, still plenty um, to be seen over the next couple of weeks as well to see if the, the sides can follow that up. Uh, across the city, uh, we have Lazio. They played Spezia and won 2-1. Quite a hard-fought game with Spezia coming back into it late on. Um, they did, so they did get the job done. Do you think, uh, Tom, this was an, another case of their sort of steeliness that we've shown on a few occasions, uh, sort of last season and this season, where uh, you know they're not at their best, but but they do just do enough? Yeah, I think I think it is. I mean, steeliness is very. I'm not sure if it's the right word to describe because I think the exact thing that Lazio are lacking is their is defensive strength. Because they every time that the ball is around the box, they struggle to clear it. There's no that sense of stability with Luis Felipe as well at the back. So even when Enzola scored, I, I sort of felt that Kirby should have done a bit more in terms of closing down Enzola. So and I don't think it has been as clear as in this game that Lazio are so blatantly over reliant on Immobile. When he was subbed off, I think like in the last half an hour when he was taken off, they didn't really offer anything going forward. Um, Caicedo, I felt, has lost that kind of instant, you know, super sub status that he had at the start of the season when he just kept scoring from the bench week in, week out. Seems very difficult at the moment for Lazio that they are getting results, but I'm not, I'm still not convinced that they're good enough at the moment to challenge for those Champions League places. However, when you look at how they're actually doing the Champions League, they're doing great. So, yeah, they really need to improve their domestic performance, I feel, in order to secure themselves for next season to play in the Champions League. Yeah, it does seem that they're sort of um, struggled, they've struggled a little bit at times to um, combine playing in Syria and and the Champions League at the same time. Um, but yeah, they did manage to get the win this weekend to remain just outside the Champions League spots for now. Okay, just going to move on to the sort of round up the last few games of the weekend. And we had some late drama on Monday night in Florence. Looked like Genoa had done just enough to win it when they scored in the 89th minute, but Fiorentina equalised in the 98th minute. Uh, going into that game, when we were talking about it last week, Raphael, um, 
we thought this was a huge chance for Fiorentina to get a win and they blew it. So is your concern for them growing? Definitely. I think usually you have, um, usually when a new manager comes in, you have got that sort of new manager effect. It's a bit of a stereotype, but like there is a, a new manager bounce with teams and, you know, you would have expected it, especially from, you know, the fact that, you know, Brandelli has, has a history of Fiorentina. He would have sort of energised the squad, but we're still seeing the same sort of failures that we had with um, Giacchini. Obviously, it's been all three, four games, so we can't expect him to completely change things around, but it is quite worrying. I mean, I mean, just generally the fact that the amount of talent in that squad uh, the disparity between that, you know, the amount of talent and what we're seeing on the pitch is just massive. There's, it's you know, it's it's. I can't understand how how a team that stacked can perform that badly. And I think, yeah, if it wasn't for a bit of late late luck, late drama, they would have they would have lost again. And it's really, yeah, it's really just concerning and I mean especially I mean even even that that late goal was the first league goal in the under Brandelli they would they would they were about to go for for three games three league games without a goal which just points to a general problem that there is a, a dysfunction within that lineup and it's going to take more than just a managerial change to sort that out, and I think, yeah, I, th- I think, um, well, the owner Rocco Camisa has a lot of work on his hands. I think he's he's been concentrating a lot on the, um, you know, on the stadium, trying to but trying to get a new stadium, trying to get that through the bureaucracy of that. But I think at at the core of the team, there's there's an issue that needs that needs um, that needs working out. And I mean, yeah, it's it's. It's this is if it feels like it's just in their DNA to Fiorentina. Whatever, whatever, whatever players you put out there on the pitch, they'll find a way to bottle it and to to use a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a rough term. But yeah, it's 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 I know it's 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 baffling, really. Yeah, I remember talking at the start of the season, and we thought with the business that they've done. Uh, in the off-season that Fiorentina should really be, you know, pushing for Europa League space. Could they be up there with the likes of Sassuolo and Hellas Verona, you know, pushing for seven for eight, something like that. But that looks a long way off right now. Um, Then we have Genoa. Now, going into the game, I did see some reports that Rolando Moran is uh, under pressure for his job. I think most people did think that Genoa probably would be in a relegation battle this year. And that certainly looks to be the case right now. What are your thoughts on them? Do you think do you think they probably will go down this year? And and do you think Moran could well be off in the coming weeks? I think they will be relegated, but at the same time, I don't think I mean I don't think it's fair to pin all the blame on Moran. Um, they've they've been the, they've been the team that's been the most hard hit by COVID out of all of them, all of the Serie A teams. I think at one point they had more than twenty squad members that were positive. So that that obviously that obviously would have affected them not just not just in in terms of the players not being available but on a psychological level as well. So I mean that's something to take into account. And 
Well, but obviously the fact that they are, they probably will go down this, you know, it's not just, it's not just as a result of, you know, poor performances this season. It's been, it's been a long time coming. They've been slipping down the table in the last few, in the last few years. Um, they, they made it, they made some, some good signings in over the, um, you know, over the break. But is it? It's not. It's not necessarily. Uh, yeah, it's not necessarily a case of just shoehorning a bunch of players on loan from big clubs to 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 make it work. I think. I think it. I think relegation is inevitable for them. You know, I I was I, I personally I was tipping them to do all right at the start of the season, but clearly that's just gone out out the window. But yeah, I we I need to see. Yeah. It, I think I think it's inevitable, and I wouldn't be surprised. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Moran was giving his marching orders, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't paint all the blame on him. Uh, I when I watched the game, like, I just couldn't really see them create any chances apart from the goal, which just came from like a ball that they the opposition gave away, and it just wasn't a great game to watch either. It was in the first half, virtually nothing happened. So. Yeah, I think they're pretty much confirmed as relegation candidates at, at this point, so early on in the season. Yeah, they, they've been down there, you know, in a relegation battle for the last two or three years now. So it does seem that it's coming. Uh, two other teams that are, are down there at the moment are Palmer and Benevento, who played out a goalless draw. Tom, in your opinion, who's sort of better equipped to avoid the drop this season if, you know, one of those team, teams were to go down? I think, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like at the moment, both teams are pretty much safe based on what we've discussed with uh, Genoa and Torino and Crotona because both teams are able to get results now and then. I mean, we saw Benevento get a draw against Juventus. We've seen Parma get a draw against Inter as well. And, you know, they do get the crucial results. So Parma did beat Genoa last weekend. So at the moment, I think both Teams will finish lower mid-table. I can't really see them at the moment at the state that Genoa is in at right now. Uh, Crotona as well. So I don't know. I just can't see them going down at the moment. I think they're, they're both doing very well just to stay up right now. I'm expecting a bit more from Palmer because uh, they've got better players. But with Benevento, I think that Benevento are doing excellent for this, with the squad that they have. And I think it's very well. I think they've approached the season very well at the start. The recruitment was right as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic for both teams, to be honest. Yeah, I think uh, Palmer, obviously, are feeling the loss of Kulusevski and have dropped down from their mid-table finish of last season. But, uh, but it does seem they probably will be OK. And then the final game of the weekend that we haven't touched on yet was Verona hosting Cagliari. That ended one all. Verona remain a tough side to break down right now. What what do you make of Di Francesco's Cagliari, Raphael? Um, sort of some up and down results so far. Um, how how do you see their season panning out? I think on the evidence of of, um, of the match, you know they they did well to get a you know a draw against what is a very very tough uh, uh, Verona side to beat. I think Ivan Juric has set this team up to really, you know really just get grind out results regardless of the the personnel in the team so the fact that they were man- they did manage to sort of make the most of what seemed to be a sort of a dropping concentration on the part of um, on the part of Verona shows that they you know they 
he tactically speaking, he is able to, you know, sort of work out work out how to get them points. But at the same time, yeah, it's it's it is quite inconsistent and even though they even though, you know, on the evidence of you know the amount of talent that there is in the team, you know, there are some clearly good players in there. But I think Di Francesco isn't really the kind of player, the, um, the kind of manager who can, who can take them to to the, to the next level. Really, um, like he, you know, he was obviously he was he was good at Sassuolo, but you know, it's it's his stock. You know, his stock went down at Roma. He's not really hit hit the ground running in the best way possible at Cagliari. So, yeah, I th- I think. Obviously, they're obviously they're not relegation candidates or anything, but uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not entirely convinced by Buddy Francesco so far. Yeah, it does seem they're probably going to finish around mid-table, maybe just inside the bottom half. Uh, okay, away from Syria, we're going to look ahead to this midweek uh, in Europe. Uh, we're filming this, sorry, recording this on Tuesday evening, so we're going to focus on Wednesday's matches. Uh, Atalanta face Ajax. Uh, so, Tom, I'm going to come to you. Atalanta need a point to advance, but they are travelling to Amsterdam, uh, so are perhaps underdogs. Do you see them getting the point that they need to make the last 16? I mean, I think they're definitely more rested than Ajax are. I mean, they have they have, did have the week off because their game, I think it was against Susanese, it was, it was cancelled. So they should... You know they should have been preparing for this game quite well, much more, much longer than Ajax. But it is a tough place to go, you know, Amsterdam. So it's not going to be easy. But Atalanta have played well in Europe this season, which is quite—I don't know—it's quite interesting how Serie A teams are doing quite well in Europe and then questionably in the league or vice versa. So yeah, I think they should be. I mean, hopefully they'll be able to, you know, defend, defend for their lives and get that point. But it's going to be very tough. Yeah, yeah, they've they've bounced back very well from that heavy Liverpool loss, um, and yeah, overall Atalanta had a strong campaign so far. Uh, and then of course Inter play Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, they need some results to go in their favour, but if they are able to win that, then they do have a decent chance of making the last sixteen, despite uh, having a pretty torrid Champions League campaign so far. Do you think they'll be able to make the last sixteen, Raphael? It'll be quite difficult because obviously they've got Vidal and Barella out for the for the match, who are, who have been, who have been cru- crucial players really. So, so yeah, it'll be it'll be quite difficult because yeah, obviously if, even if they do win, there's there's no they need they need either uh, Real or or Borussia Mönchengladbach to 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 win their game. So, I th- it is I think it's it's going to be a make or break night for uh, for Conte Conte's project in general. So it'll be interesting to see if they, if, you know, if they do come out on top. But I, I'm, I've got a sneaking feeling that they will, personally. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting match either way. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be a very interesting Wednesday night indeed with uh, both Atalanta and Inter, particularly Inter um, with their group, perhaps the most interesting group of uh, of the Champions League so far this season. So, fascinating final day. Uh, and then on to the Europa League. Uh, obviously, we already have Roma and Milan who are safely through to the last 32. Napoli just have a little more work to do. They need to get a point at home to Real Sociedad 
given their current form, Tom, do you expect them to get the job done? And they're top of the group, so they should be able to. Problem for Napoli is that it's, I think you could almost say with certainty that as Alcama will beat Bijeka, so they, I feel like they would need to win uh, against uh, Real Sociedad to make sure, and Real Sociedad would definitely need to win. So it will be a very difficult game because Real Sociedad are so good this year, you know, with Januzai and, you know, their midfield is orchestrated by David Silva. And they are second in La Liga right now, ahead of like Real Madrid as well, Sevilla and Barcelona. So it's a very, very strong Real Sociedad side. And I think Napoli's biggest, I think the biggest, you know, what could be their undoing is underestimating Real Sociedad. So I think they have to take them very seriously because this Real Sociedad team really means business. So, yeah, I think Napoli do have to put out their strongest strongest 11 and just get the job done because yeah I mean I don't think it's going to be like David Silva still a world-class player and he could cause a lot of damage uh, for Napoli. Yeah certainly um, you expect Napoli to probably get the job done but but yeah as you say not a foregone conclusion so that will be uh, an interesting watch on Thursday night as well. Okay that that wraps up the show tonight. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me, guys. Uh, and we'll catch you again soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.